Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. Hallelujah. Some, come on, somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Amen. You know, there's a song that says, when we've been there 10,000 years, we'll just be gone to sing his praise. Can I tell you, that he is King of Kings, he's Lord of Lords, he's worthy of all praise. If I could have 10,000 lifetimes, it still would not be enough time to give God the praise that he is worthy of. He is worthy in this house tonight. One more time, the best praise that you've got. Come on, God, we love you. We praise you, Father. We magnify you in this house, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Do me a favor before you're seated tonight. I want you to uh, high five or fist bump two or three people and let them know how awesome it is. You might have to get out of your seat. Let them know how awesome it is to have them at midweek at Forward. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Just a couple of quick announcements before we dive into the Word tonight. First and foremost, I want to let everybody know uh, this Sunday, this Sunday we have uh, staff appreciation. How many of y'all are excited about staff appreciation? Amen. Um, I'm, I'm really uh, anxious to, to get in here and just love on our, our executive staff this, this uh, Sunday and bless them and honor them. We want to be a church of honor. And I, I'm a firm believer that there are blessings of God that you will never tap into unless you learn how to be a person of honor or a church of honor. And so I want to be a church that's... Uh, that's blessed. I want to be a blessed people, and I don't want to hinder the blessings of God in, in our church and in our life and in our family. So we want to give honor where honor is due. So we're going to be taking up a special offering for all of our executive staff uh, this Sunday. We will be honoring them in both the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock service. Um, and not this Sunday, but next Sunday is the first Sunday of the month. Anybody tell me what uh, the first Sunday of the month is? Next Step Sunday. Amen. So if you are uh, new to Forward, Next Step Sunday is, is uh, how you get connected. It's how you take your next steps <laughs> here at Forward. Amen? Go figure that. Uh, but if you've recently made a decision for Christ, uh, we, we have baptism in both the 9 o'clock and the 11 o'clock service. You can register for, for uh, baptism on our church website, forwardchurchonline.com, or you can go to the Church Center app, uh, sign up for baptism. You can also register for Next Steps on our website or the Church Center app. Um, and you can get connected, get plugged in, start serving. I set a goal this month. Does anybody remember the goal that I set? We want at least 25 new people serving in the church. Why, why is that important? I believe it's important because the more people you have serving, the more people you can reach for the kingdom of God. Statistically, the, the, so the stat is for every one person you have serving, four people will attend. And so I believe that the more people we have serving, the more people we can effectively minister to. So I just challenge you, take your next steps, get plugged in, start serving, and uh, I promise you, you won't, you won't regret that. Um, and then last but not least, I don't do this all the time on Wednesday, but uh, home folk, can we just give all of our guests a hand tonight? Amen. We, we're starting to have 
uh, new faces guest on Wednesday night, and you come in, it's a laid-back atmosphere. I love our, our midweek atmosphere. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love Sunday morning, but there's, there's just this intimate worship setting on Wednesday night. Uh, we get to lay, just sort of be a little bit more laid-back, dive into a, a teaching. Uh, but if you're new to Ford, uh, or if this is your first time, I hope you got a connect card. If you didn't, there's uh, one close by in the, in the chair pocket, in the chair pocket nearest you. And uh, just grab one and fill it out. Um, you can bring it to me after, after service. I would love to, to, to meet you, just give you a fist bump, shake your hand, uh, get to know you. The most important spot is the place down at the bottom. It's a place for your prayer request. I always say this because I guarantee you every single person that's walked into this house tonight, you've got a prayer request. You've got a need. You've got something that you need God to just minister to you in your life. And I believe in a God who answers prayers. So if you don't, um, if you don't mind, just take a minute, fill this out, uh, bring it to me after service, and uh, we'll pray over your need. We'll believe that God is going to minister to you in only the way that he can. Amen. Y'all believe in a God who still answers prayers, give him praise. Amen. Amen. I want to pray, and then we're going to dive into this tonight. Will you pray with me? God, I love you, and I praise you, God, for who you are. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to dive into your word. And I just pray, God, your anointing upon my wife and I as, I, as we preach, as we teach tonight. God, anoint the ears and the hearts of our congregation, everyone that's in person, everyone watching on the live stream. I pray, God, that we wouldn't just be hearers, but we would be doers of your word. And God, I don't want anyone to walk away from this teaching tonight the same way we approached it, God. But let us leave revived, renewed, encouraged, edified. And God, let us apply it to our life that we may further your kingdom and the vision and the mission that you have given us. And we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. It's good to be back with you guys this Yeah, week. it's awesome. I've got... I finally, she got saved this week, so, yeah. no, I'm just yeah. <laughs> um, so how many of y'all, we've, we've been teaching uh, on Wednesday night now for uh, a, a, at least a little while, uh, maybe a month, a month and a half now, on overcoming when you feel overwhelmed. We've been in chapter three now for three weeks, <laughs> and I don't know, chapter three. chapter three is just, it's a lot, it's, a lot. it's just yeah. packed full of information, so really quick, uh, I'm going to do a quick review, and then we're, we're going to dive into new content tonight. So if you were here last week, wave your hand if you were here last week. Yeah. Last week, we talked about looking within, and we talked about the watch principle, uh, W-A-T-C-H. Uh, we talked about the watch principle and all of those and all the things that Jesus said. He, said. he said, in the last days, he said, watch, therefore. And there's some things that we need to watch. Number one, we need to watch our words. Somebody say Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, watch your words. Watch your words. Number two, we need to watch our attitude. Amen or oh me right there. Oh me. Oh me. Number three, watch your temptations. Uh -huh. We all have different okay. temptations. We're all faced. No one is exempt from temptations. Amen. I don't care if you're eight or 80. That's right. Everybody in this life, as long as there's breath in your lungs and as long as we're on this side of eternity, you're going to face temptation. Number four, watch your character. It's not about just what you do in public, it's what you do in private. Watch your character. And number five, watch your household. Everybody has what you call your household. You might even be living by yourself, 
but there are, there are people that you are connected with. There's family members, there's, there's aunts, uncles, grandparents, nieces, nephews, cousins, whatever the case may be, your family that you would consider your household. And we have to watch our household in these last days. And if we do that, um, I believe that, that we will um, stay in line with the Word of God and the way His plan and purpose is designed for in our lives. So we're going to dive into some new content tonight. And uh, Cassie's going to help me get this kicked off. So tonight we're going to talk about being aware of Satan's greatest attack. So we're talking about overcoming when we feel overwhelmed. And when you're in a season of overwhelm, one of Satan's greatest attacks in those seasons is offense. Offense. Being offended. How many of you know we live in a world where everybody's offended about everything all of the time? I feel like when I was uh, like a little girl, my mom didn't let me be offended. She was like, there's just no option. You're just going to have a good attitude, you know? But we live offense in a world, is offense is not an option. And we have to kind of have that attitude as believers, I feel like. Um, I know I was listening to, um, it was a, a Christian artist, I forget who they were, but they one of their most powerful prayers, they said that they made a commitment to never live in the spirit of offense. And so every morning they wake up and they say, I refuse to live in the spirit of offense today. And we're going to talk about offense tonight. So along with the watch principle that we just reviewed, there's something we also must vigilantly guard against, and that is offense. In these end times, I have seen Satan's attack on believers and non-believers alike um, through the spirit of offense. How many of you know offense doesn't just run rampant in the world? Sometimes offense can run rampant in the church. Amen. And when it does that, it can be difficult. Through offense, the enemy is constantly trying to derail a victorious life of a believer and distract them from the good that God is doing and put their heart and mind on the thing that is offending them. Yeah. That is his MO. So we find this in Matthew 24, 10 through 13. They're going to put it on the screen if you want to pull it up in your Bible. Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 through 13. It says... And then many will be offended, talking about in the last days. How many of you know we're living in the last days? In those days, many people will be offended. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures till the end shall be saved. Amen. I love that promise. I love that. And in some translations, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. I, I love that. I believe we need to stand firm in these last days. We yes. need to stand firm. We need to endure, uh, especially against the spirit of offense, yes. and especially in, a, in the church. And I'm just going to be honest with you, especially in our church. I don't want to be a church that when people see us, all they see is an offended people or the spirit of offense in in this in this body of believers the new testament alludes 17 times to someone being offended while the word offense is mentioned 16 times in in the new testament one of the main words translated into english <clears throat> as offense in the new testament is the greek word scandalon scandalon it is defined as properly the trigger of a trap or basically the mechanism uh, closing a trap down on the unsuspecting victim. It's, a, it's, it's the mechanism uh, or the trigger that would close a trap on an unexpected victim. 
So figuratively, an offense putting, is basically putting a negative cause and effect relationship into motion. Putting a negative cause and effect relationship into motion. Satan, this is his MO, this is what he does. Satan is always setting traps for you to fall into. Satan is trying to set up a mechanism in your life to put you on a trajectory in order for you to have something to, uh, to affect you negatively in your life. Again, his, his job description, if you will, is outlined in the Word of God. The Bible tells us that Satan is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy so anything that Satan can do to cause to have a negative effect in your life, he will do that. He wants to get you offended so he can rob you of the miracles Jesus wants to do for you. There are certain things, there are miracles that Jesus desires to do in your life. There are certain miracles that Jesus de desires to do in our church services. But a lot of times, miracles are stifled because offense is harbored in the hearts of those. And Jesus is like, if, I have, if there's an offense, that is an atmosphere, that's an attitude that I cannot work in. Wow. And so we have to learn to guard our hearts, guard our minds against these offenses so the miracles of Jesus and the blessings of God can operate in our lives. That's so good. And there's two verses in the Gospel of Matthew that speak powerfully to the dangerous effects of operating in the spirit of offense in the life of a believer. So first, um, how many of you have ever heard the parable of the sower? The parable of the sower. Yes, so you find that in Matthew All 13. Are, oh, they're afraid to um, raise their hands. I know, they're tonight. like, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But we're going to talk about it. If you have it, here it is, it's on the screen. Matthew 13, verses 20 through 21. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, very happy at first. Yet he has no root in himself, but he will endure only for a little while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, he immediately stumbles. So I always read this and thought when someone goes through a hardship or a trial, the King James Version, um, the word he stumbles is translated when he is offended. When he is offended... He begins to fall. He's happy when he receives the promises of God, when he receives the words of God over his life. But then when he becomes offended, when something happens to him, then he allows himself to begin to fall. So that's a dangerous place to be. And we've all been there. Have you ever been so mad at someone or a certain situation that that whole day it's hard to get your mind off of that? Mm. And you're just like seething. You're like so angry. And like other things are happening. You're at work or with your family or you're on other calls or you're doing other things. But all those things you're doing, you're just on autopilot because in your mind you cannot get over how angry you are. That's the spirit of offense. And we've all faced that. And um, the scripture talks about how dangerous that is. Matthew 13, 53 through 58. It says this. Um, they're going to put it on the screen for you, Matthew 13, 53 through 58. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables, so he taught them the parable of the sower, and then he departed. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished at his teachings. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is, this, is his mother not Mary? 
Where then did this man get all these things from? So they were offended at him. You hear what I'm saying? This was Jesus' hometown. He had done all these miracles, all these wonderful teachings, and they were like, wait a minute. We know his parents. We watched him grow up. What, where is he getting all this wisdom from? And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and his own household. Yeah. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief or because of their offense. Because they were offended at Jesus in his hometown, he did not do many mighty miracles there. How sad is that? That they had the miracle maker in their presence. But because they were offended, they could not receive the miracles that he had ready to give them. Jesus has miracles ready to give you. But if your life and your attitude and your heart is so offended, you, that's, a, that's an atmosphere in which you may not get a miracle. In these two passages in particular, the Word of God shows us that when you move into a place of offense and you stop there, that miracle stop too. So the Holy Spirit may be moving in a church, but if people there are harboring offense in their heart toward one another, the Spirit may start shutting down the miracles that happen. And we have to realize that in our life, a lot of times offenses, offenses are going to come. Yeah. You know, offend, being offended is not a choice. You're going to be offended in this life. It's not optional. But what you do with that offense is optional. Right. That is certainly in your control. And so we don't want to miss the miracles that the Lord has for us because we're offended. We can leave justice and vengeance and righteousness up to God and just decide that we are not going to harbor offense. That person may have done me wrong, but I'm not going to play judge, jury, and vindicator. I'm going to allow Jesus to do that, and I'm going to decide to walk in the truth of God's Word and not be offended. So in ministry, I've had people come to me. We've had people come to us and say, Did you know so-and-so said this about you in the way you believe, in the way you believe on this concept or this scripture, or the way you do ministry this way? And my, my, what I say to them in return is, I go to Matthew 5, Blessed are the peacemakers. And I, I refuse to live in a spirit of offense yeah. just because Amen. somebody does not agree with me because my call was not a conference call. Your call and what God is calling you to do may That's not good. be a conference call. That's good. But just because people don't understand it and they come against you doesn't mean you have to become like them. You can choose to be who God's made you to be and not live in the spirit of offense. I'm not going to live in the spirit of offense. Yeah. I want all my miracles. Right. And all of them. So, amen. And so when you're offended, that's constantly in your mind. That's always at the forefront of your mind. And we're sitting there, we're feeling overwhelmed. The only yes. one that harboring that offense is, is doing harm to is you, is, is yourself. And so look at, uh, look at this. The book has referred to, to David a few times. And I love this, this, this story right here. So when David volunteered to fight Goliath, his brothers got jealous and started yelling insults at him and taunting him. His older brother or oldest brother Eliab angrily demanded this in 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 28. He said, why did you come down here and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? 
So you've got this battle going on. David's the shepherd, and all the oldest brother can, can just sit there and harp about is, who'd you leave the sheep with? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. You just want to see what's going on. You just want to insert yourself in what's going on here. So these brothers preferred for David to stay in his lane and tend sheep rather than battle against the giant. It's what the brothers preferred. Stay in your lane, David, just do, just do what you've been asked to do and, 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 and don't concern yourself with what the battle is, is going on right here. David had to step over the offense of his brothers belittling him. Yeah. He didn't acknowledge it. If he had, it could have robbed him of the miracle of slaying Goliath. Wow. As a matter of fact, if he would have listened and gave in to what his brothers were, were throwing at him and taunting him with, you're nothing but just a, a, a little shepherd boy Stay in your lane, do what you, stick what you, what you know to do. And if he would have listened to that, and if he would have gave into that, what would have happened? He would have missed out on the miracle of slaying the giant, Goliath. See, you'll never kill the giant in your life until you first let go of offense. You'll never kill, you'll never slay the giant in your life while harboring offense. But when you... Let go of offense, then God will begin to fight your battles for you. As long as you're holding on to it, you are the one fighting it. God, it's either God's battle or, or it's your battle, but it can't be both. And when you're harboring offense, you're actually telling God, I've got this, I'm going to do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of it. And, and, and as long as we're listening to what everybody else is saying and letting that get to us, we're missing out. On, on slaying our giants. Right. I want to be a giant slayer. And I think it's not ironic that when Jesus, when Jesus had people that were offended of him, it was people in his hometown that knew him. And when David had someone, David already had an enemy. The Philistines were the enemy. The last people that he should have been facing was, was from his family. They should have been the one in his life to say, Yo, you know, thank you for showing up and helping because we're sitting back here not doing it. You know, but, but this is the truth. The enemy knows whose words will hurt you the most. Yeah. And he will use those people. And we have a choice to make when we're in a situation when someone we love offends us. Whether or not we're going to hold on to that or let it go. David could have stood there and had an argument with his brothers. He could have stood there and not just been like, I don't accept that. He, you know, he, because I think maybe he could have accepted it. That would have been one wrong thing to do. But another wrong thing would have done to me to stand there and yell back at Eliab, no, I am, God has chosen me. And, and let me remind you of when God chose me and try to almost stand up for his own self, prove his own self. But when we do that, we wind up making a mess and we waste time because God didn't call us to prove ourselves. He just called us to be obedient. And if we'll be obedient and we'll just do what God has told us to do, eventually those people will see us slay our giants and they will come to the knowledge that God did call them to do that. They can do that. 
But if we waste all of our time fighting with those people, yeah. we're not fighting the giant. Does that make sense? You don't have to defend so, yourself. God absolutely. is your defender. God is your defender. And so many times when we yes. try to defend ourselves is when yes. we make messes. And when, when you defend yourself, that's when sometimes defenses cause offenses. That is and, so true. And, and we could avoid a lot of offenses yes. by not trying to defend ourselves. Just allow God to be your defender. I agree. So how do you know if you're holding on to an offense? If you make a habit of still talking about it and thinking about it, you're offended. So that's tough. But if you make a habit of still talking about it and thinking about what happened to you, who hurt you, if you're still longing for revenge in the day where you can finally get them back, then you are still carrying offense. Yeah. How can you then let go of the offense? First of all, nobody can do that for you. Just like no one can exercise for you. <laughs> you know, I wish someone could go to the gym for me. I wish someone could eat healthy for me because I do not enjoy either of those things. I like Oreos and I like to watch TV. Mm. You know, Amen. Amy, I got a witness in the house on that one, you know. But just like no one can exercise for you or eat healthy for you, no one can get rid of an offense for you. And the word exercise means to train. By implication, it means to strive for something. Staying offense-free is something that we have to train our mind and our spirit to do. That's good. It's not always as easy as saying, I'm just not going to be offended. Say that and mean that, but in the next five minutes, when that thought pops back into your head again, you're going to have to be intentional to take your thoughts captive and say, I choose again not to be offended. Tomorrow I'm going to choose not to be offended. It is an intentional thing. It is, it is almost like exercise. Well, and what happens, you know, how long does it take to get in shape? Yeah, true. How long does it take to get out of shape? Yeah, this is not fair. Fair. Right. Yeah, so it is the same thing. That's that's a good analogy. It is the same way with offense. It's not easy to get offended. It's it is it is not easy. It is easy to get it's offended. It's easy I'm to get sorry. offended. It's easy to get offended. It's, it's not, not easy. easy to get unoffended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So staying offense free is something you must train your mind to do, train your spirit to do. Keep your conscience clear. Um, if you don't have a healthy spirit, you have to look within. Amen. And ask God for that. If that's you here tonight and you feel convicted and you feel maybe even ashamed, that's me and I am angry, what do I do with that? Ask God to create in you a clean heart and give you a right spirit. That's a prayer that's in the Word of God. Psalm 51 and 10. Write it down if you need to pray. Psalms 51 and 10 every morning this week. God, please create in me a clean heart. Give me the desire to let this offense go. Amen. Clean up my heart. Give me a right spirit. God will do it. He will do it. That's his desire for you. Amen. So the remedy to offense, are y'all ready for this? Forgive. Forgiveness. How often does the word say we should forgive someone? 70 times 7. I don't know what that means. You can, you know, you can say, well, I'm going to do the math and that's how many times I should, should forget. No, what Jesus is saying, forgive. Yeah. Never hold back forgiveness. Because offenses will be evident in the last days. That's what Jesus said. In the last days, people are going to be offended more in the last days. 
if you want to know my personal opinion on it, I think it's because we're, living, uh, we're, we're raising a pansy generation. I, I think we're raising a pansy generation that has been used to getting a participation trophy for everything. And, and when they get called out on something, but, and I'm not just talking, and, and that doesn't just mean young people either. I see that just as much in adults these days as I do kids. As a matter of fact, when I was youth pastor, I had more trouble out of parents than I had their, their kids. And, and it's just this, this, the generation, when I say generation, I mean the culture, the, culture, the, era. the era, the time that we're in. Yeah. And so we need to know the biblical solution for offense, and it's forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiveness brings freedom. Yeah. Punch your neighbor and say, get free. Punch him again. Yeah. Say, get free. Don't if, be offended what don't be offended that he said this is a fancy generation. If you have been offended and want to be free from Satan's greatest attack, you must take the high road and forgive. Oh, yeah. Again and again and again, season after season after season after season, forgive. Forgiveness is so important that there is a line in the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us as we forgive. As a matter of fact, I, I believe that there's a scripture in the Bible that says that if you are harboring uh, unforgiveness or if you are holding back forgiveness, then you will not be forgiven. That's how, that's how serious Jesus is about us extending forgiveness. The Greek word translated as debt here, as I can't pronounce it, but I'm going to spell it. O-P-H-E-I-L-E-M-A. If you want to pronounce that after church, come tell me how to pronounce that after church. It's not just something owed. It also refers to some type of moral fault. Because we think that people, we think that we only are supposed to give people that we owe forgiveness to. But Jesus said, even if they are at fault, even if you are not the one at fault, Offer forgiveness for the sake of you not harboring a, 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 an offense in you. Because it's going to do you harm if you're harboring that. So many times in leadership, I've had to go and, and, and seek forgiveness or offer forgiveness to someone who I felt like they were in the wrong. But, and I, would, but I knew that if I let it fester, if I sat on it, then it was going to do more harm. To forgive another person who has offended you is not optional. It's not optional. It's a command because the Lord has forgiven us, removing our sins and granting us the free gift of eternal life. He requires us to forgive others. We forgive just as we have been forgiven. That's what Colossians 3 and 13 tells us. Christ warned that if we don't forgive our brothers and sisters and their trespasses against us, then our Heavenly Father will not forgive our trespasses. I knew there was the scripture according to that. That's Matthew 6, verse 15. If we're not forgiving, if we're not forgiving the people that, that has trespassed against us, then He's not going to forgive us. Yes, in freedom, a curriculum we do here, it says, harboring unforgiveness against someone is like setting yourself on fire and hoping that the other person dies of smoke inhalation. That's what it's like. And the Bible says that even our financial gifts will not be blessed if we are giving 
with a heart of unforgiveness. Listen to this, Matthew 5, 23, 24. Therefore, if you bring your gifts to the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Just leave it there and go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gifts. Wow. I think that's so powerful. How many times are we even so busy doing ministry with an offended heart? And we're giving our gifts, maybe not money, maybe it's time, maybe it's a spiritual gift, maybe it's something like that. But we're doing that yeah. while we're offended. Right. And what God is saying is stop. Stop the giving. Go be reconciled and then come back. And that's how important it is to God. That he would say, you know, I love when you serve me, and I love when you serve my body, but I would rather you be healed yes. of your offense than for you to continue serving me while you're bleeding everywhere. Wow. And so I think that that's grace. I don't look at that command as a harsh thing, but as a gracious thing. You know, we don't expect anyone not to ever be hurt or feel disappointed or betrayed, right? Because forgiveness isn't easy, and it requires... And internal work. But forgiveness is the remedy to offense. And it will always provide healing. It will not always be easy. But it will always provide healing Amen. and freedom. If you allow an offense to fester, it will become a powerful weapon in the hand of your adversary. Wow. So your offense becomes a weapon in the hand of Satan. An offended spirit gives the enemy a foothold in your life. When you release others who have hurt you. You seize the strength of the weapon back from the enemy's hand. Forgiveness can be difficult. We forgive others to bring renewal and refreshment by breaking the hold that that offense has yes. had over us. Amen. That sin debt that we feel like that person owes me. They did me wrong. They have a moral obligation to me. When you forgive somebody, what you do is you wipe that sin debt clean. Wow, you don't good. say what they did was okay because what they did was not okay. Right. What they did was not the will of God. What they did was wrong. It's not saying what they did was okay. It's saying that even though rightfully they should owe you something in return, you're wiping it clean. As long as we refuse to forgive our offender, that person still has a knife in our heart. We walk around with their knife in our heart. And when we choose to forgive them and we take time to commune with God and say, God, give me a clean heart, give me a pure spirit, a transaction takes place within that heart and Jesus will begin to remove that dagger out of your heart yes. and bring healing to that wound, to that pain, to that hurt, to that hatred, to that anger, to that embarrassment, to that bitterness. He will take those daggers out and replace them with greater things, with greater rewards, with greater miracles, with healing, with healing, with yes. gladness, Amen. with joy, with an inheritance. I love the fact that God can take what is so broken yeah. and is so messed up on the inside of us and he can bring beauty in that area of our life. And he can. That's what he wants for us. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to close with a spiritual check-in. You know, we all fight these internal battles in this life. Before we ask God for answers to the problems that plague us on this earth, we have a duty 
to really self-reflect, look within. Is there anything inside of us that is hindering the Holy Spirit, that is grieving the Holy Spirit, that is stifling the miracles and the blessings of God in my life? So we must first look inward. Sometimes the time we spend judging others or begging God for signs or explanations is best spent on inner assessment or self-assessment. Are we living with the same integrity in private that we are in public? Are we guarding our heart from that which can destroy us? What is coming out of our mouth? Is it doom and gloom or is it hope and revival? These are, these are things we need to ask ourselves on this spiritual on this, this, this spiritual check-in, if you will. When Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seeds, back to that, the seeds had one of four outcomes. Some seeds fell by the wayside. Some fell on stony ground. Some took root in the ground at first, but then they were choked out by thorns. Finally, some seeds fell on good ground. Three out of four groups of seeds didn't make it. Three out of four groups didn't make it. Only one group stayed rooted in ground, in good ground, and remained productive, not just for a season, but for longevity. So we need to schedule time for spiritual check-ins. The ground, the soul of our life, it's going to determine what type of fruit you produce. It's going to determine whether or not you're fruitful in your spiritual walk with Christ. Yes, watch for the return of the Lord so that we are ready, but watch what you can control, change, and develop. Watch yourself and remember to take that step number one that we've been talking about now for so long that will help you overcome. Look within. Look within. I'm going to close with this scripture. Will you stand? The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at what's on the inside. And you might look on the outside tonight like you've got it all together. But on the inside, you're harboring offense, unforgiveness, bitterness. The miracles of God God's, it's like he's not talking to you. You can't hear him. You don't hear his voice. You don't feel him. You come into a, a setting like a midweek church service in, in an intimate moment, in a setting where we, we are worshiping God and, and you're standing there and you're so numb. You're numb to his presence. You don't even feel him. If that's you, you need to look within tonight. Because that's serious. That matters more than the signs of the times that I'm going to be preaching on this Sunday. That matters more than are we really living in the last days. That matters more than the answers to all of these external problems that you're facing, financial problems that you're facing, all these, solution, all these problems that you're seeking solutions to. What is happening in you tonight is more important than all of that. And what God desires to do is do a work in you tonight. So that's just what we're going to do. We're going to look within. We're going to self-reflect. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit, God, if there's an offense, if there's unforgiveness, if there's bitterness, if there's anger, 
I want you to be specific with God tonight. When we pray, we're going to spend a few moments in prayer. I know we went a little over tonight. We're going to spend a few moments in prayer. And I want you to, I want you to say that person's name to God. God, I forgive so-and-so of so-and-so. Be specific. God, I forgive my brother who said this and say it to God. Say it out loud to God. I forgive my sister who did this to me. And say it to God and confess that to him. And allow the Holy Spirit to come and heal you. I guarantee you, if you'll confess those things to him, it might be the first time that you've ever really, truly felt him and experienced him. Amen. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and I just want us to flow in for the next few moments. Just flow in the Spirit. Flow in worship and in prayer. God, I love you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity that we had to come before you tonight, Father. And I just pray, God, right now, Lord Jesus, God, that you would do the, do the work that only you can do right now. Holy Spirit, come and have your way from the front to the back, from wall to wall. I pray, Lord Jesus, if there be anybody under the sound of my voice tonight, God, that is harboring offense, Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we would confess those things to you specifically, specific things to you tonight so that we may be healed. And God, your Holy Spirit can move and operate in our life. In Jesus' name. Let's take a few moments. Get along with God. Get along with God. You can come down here to these altars. You just get along. You can kneel. You can stand. Whatever. Whatever you want to do. But for the next few moments, let's spend some time in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon.